At Push My Buttons Podcast, you can get all the gaming news, as well as information on latest releases and game reviews. You can also watch us play some of your favorite games, everything from Sonic the Hedgehog to God of War, on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on all the social media and listen on all of your favorite apps. Just search for Push My Buttons Podcast. Think of the children! You must walk feminine, talk feminine, smile and beguile feminine, utilize your femininity. That's what every girl should know, if she wants to catch a bow. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Okay, first, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. Same difference. No. If you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another special episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast about movie franchises, except when sometimes we go off the rails and we pick non-franchise movies like we did this week. J.B. Flinders has chosen Demolition Man. To be fair, soon to be a franchise, Demolition Man 2... Which they wanted Meryl Streep to be his daughter so she could get her big action role. I kid you not. They actually were thinking yeah, about yeah, no, they, are, they are talking. What? Yeah. They are talking about they are talking about making a demolition man too. I I think it'll never happen. Meryl Streep? Yeah, that was the that was the Yeah, well this was years ago, but they wanted Well, I mean they got Jodie Foster for the new what is it? Detective, true detective. So oh, yeah. who knows? I mean, you know, I guess it's possible. What? Like as long as she explains the fucking seashells, then let her do it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that was a great. That was a great running gag because they were they were trying to figure out what to do with that. And the the writer, I guess one of the writer's friends or something, went into the bathroom and he's like, "All I see here is this stupid bag of seashells." You know how they have like the the, mm-hmm. the bathroom yeah. decor. Yeah, the decor, yeah. and the guy's like. I think I can work with that, and that's that's where a good the, idea. The yeah. three seashells were born. They the, still don't like nobody knows what it means. There's no. Well, that's the that's the joke. Yeah, and we're we're the podcast that explains what the three seashells are for. <laughs> it, that's the joke. That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, anyway uh, but really quick. So JB, welcome. Uh, uh, thank thanks you. for thanks for piping in. Uh, returning champion Melissa Martinez. Yay! Yay! You're here too. Watch yeah. Me, for making me watch this movie. That's yeah, she's that, she's gonna remain champ. I think after how she lays in this <laughs> one, <laughs> I think yeah. it, I think this movie's gonna get pile driven. So, I'm <laughs> M- Melissa, had you seen this before? You know, it. I didn't think so, but it turns out I I, I remembered part of it. The part I remembered. And, and I, I'm pretty sure I turned it off and didn't watch the whole thing. But the the one part I remembered seeing was the, um, you know, with the helmets where they're they're having some facsimile of sex with the helmets without oh, yeah. transfer. Um, yeah. And I turned it off right around the time that Stallone said, oh, I, I was a good kisser. Because, like, I was like, okay. For some reason, that just triggered me. I was like, fuck this movie. And I turned it off. I'm pretty sure I that's all I saw. Um, also, because Wesley Snipes looked like 
an extra in a Super Mario movie the whole time. <laughs> I didn't handle it for some reason, and I couldn't. I I couldn't handle it this time either. I just couldn't, you know. But I watched the whole movie this time. Well, and Melissa, as our resident San Antonio Spurs fan, uh, you will be delighted to know that Dennis Rodman, when playing for the Spurs, uh, this was where he decided to start coloring his hair different colors after seeing this movie. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) During during his stint at the the Spurs, before he went to the Bulls. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his tenure uh, here was not a happy one, so fuck him. Yeah, and and uh, thanks to uh, Demolition Man for inspiring his haircut. Well, so and, and to be fair, Jackie Chan was supposed to be the bad guy. Uh, yeah, yeah g- graciously turned it down. We um, will go through all the different permutations oh, of what yeah, this movie the, could the have been. Sandra this... Bullock, the one who was almost Sandra Bullock, kills me. I would have not yeah. liked this movie. Uh, yeah. You know who also could have been Sandra Bullock in 1993 is Brooke Heim. Ah, woo! I don't so. think I could have been, unless you're talking about being that naive and stupidly optimistic, but still wanting to kind of fuck shit up. Then yes, yes, I could have. Yeah, you... assuming assuming Demolition Man was at the Sierra Theater <laughs> <laughs> at the BYU <laughs> Varsity. Great laugh, Brooke. I like that one. <laughs> Just sing about that couch, that's all. <laughs> this, this movie is I never like... got to experience the couch. Thanks, Andy. Oh, wow. There's still Shots time, fire. Brooke. <laughs> July if 1st. Is, if it is the same couch, count me out. I'm pretty oh. sure it is. I know the one at Broovies I don't think has changed. So. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. I would be more scared of the one at Broovies yeah. That has definitely had sex on it <laughs> I, I, i'm betting the sarah one probably has but that's that's for how you sure the a, one at Bruvies. that's how you sell a couch on craigslist this couch has had sex on it <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> noun and, and action verb <laughs> the the undeterminable sex has it is had has the had kind, will have could have <laughs> the kind with fluid exchange not the kind with helmets oh man <laughs> i will say that being fluid bonded is a very common term in the poly world now so i was Ooh. quite entertained and I also, know you are, also among uh, Mormon TikTokers of Draper. I mean, you got to float the Provo with something, right? Is is anybody else following the that crazy drama about the quote unquote soft swingers of uh, oh, Northern yeah. Utah County, Southern no. Salt Lake you County? You can go. You can go to the Harmons, and if, as long as you put you put a pineapple in your upper basket of your cart. And walk around with your significant other, and that's how they know you're swingers. You go like Saturday morning. It's supposed put, to be an upside down pineapple. It's there is like a list list of rules. Yes. Um, yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. No, there's this there's this whole group of um, Mormon ancillary quote unquote soft swingers where they weren't actually swingers. They would do everything except for penetrative sex but only in the same room as their significant others so they just get together and like have big like make out parties and uh with 
nudity and and anything but penetrative sex. So, so it's just called a Tuesday night. Come so on. Do you do you have to <laughs> do you have to change the Craigslist for the couch if you have non-penetrative sex and sell it? Or I I would think so. Okay. Because there's I don't probably... know if the fluids are the same. Yeah, I think that's the. Got to check your fluid levels there. Just like with the used car. <laughs> Melissa's same, like, same I already couch. hated this movie. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> we aren't even hey. talking about the movie now. We're talking about, like, the use, the news of uh, Salt Lake County. <laughs> oh, man, this is hilarious. Soft swinging. Anyway. Yeah, it's, there's, a, there's a list. Y'all can get into it, uh, you know, faithful listeners. Uh, uh, grab your upside-down pineapple and roll to... Listen, listen. If we're going to be referring our faithful listeners on how to be a swinger in Utah, don't send them to the damn list. Just come directly to me. That's fair. That's, That's true. Fair. Go, go, go to talk to Brooke. Yeah, um, uh, I, yeah, I do not think that I could get into the swinging. I, I just don't. I, I don't think I have it in me. I am, I am a person of the demolition man age. Uh, I will get uh, carded for saying naughty words. Um, you you and... do you do violate the verbal morality every once in a while. I, mean... I I do, and I have on this podcast. But then yeah. this the 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 damn thing right next to me just like keeps printing out toilet paper for me. So you it's know, <laughs> it's, it's great. I just got another one. So there we go. <laughs> so pretty much, we're done reviewing the movie now. Yeah, I, I mean, that sums it all okay. up. Okay, so JB, why why did you choose okay, this movie? So, let's well, talk about this movie. All right, so let's. This is this is 1993, right? Mm-hmm. So so my parents get divorced in 92. Um, well, a little bit earlier than that. But what happened is after my dad left, um, my mom and I were kind of like, oh, let's just us as an only child. So we'd start going to Sunday movies because it was cheap and nobody was there, and it was kind of nice to get away from. You know, the middle of Provo, everybody's going to church and walking past our house or walking across the street past our house because that's kind of how people viewed us. So we would just roll to movies. And this was kind of the genre of things, you know, we never really watched when we were of the predominant faith. And now we could kind of go out and, you know, watch the the Jean-Claude Van Dams and, and those kinds of movies. And and this was one of those that was just sort of that perfect film, right? You go out at, you know, for an 11 o'clock movie, you grab some popcorn and you sit and you watch something. And at the time, you know, this movie wasn't really prescient. It was just hilarious. It was dopey. Um, it was a nice escape from the reality, right, of this kind of traumatic time in, in lives when we didn't know what we were doing and how we were going to survive. And um you know, and and later on there was a, and I think Andy, you remember this, and Brooke probably you as well. There was a Sounds Easy Pizza. I remember Sounds. I don't know Easy if you remember pizza. Sounds. Yeah, it's right where yeah. across from the Bamboo Hut, mm-hmm. and you could go on a Friday night and you could get two movies and a pizza. Yep. For like yep. five ninety nine. Five bucks. Yeah. 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 And but what would happen is the smoke from the the Sounds Easy Pizza would billow over the top of the pizza place because they didn't have ventilation and it would come out towards the front of the store. So what would happen is you couldn't see any of the movies on the top three shelves. You could only see the bottom shelves. So mom and I used to joke that I've played every Nintendo game from N to Z 
because those were the only ones I could see to rent. And this was this was kind of like the in the rotation. Not only after we saw it in the theater, but we would go back and rent it every once in a while, and we needed a laugh. So as terrible as this movie is, and as as dumb and and ridiculous, now a little less so because so many of the things weirdly ended up. You know, at the time, you never would have thought these things were were would happen, right? But, right. you know, at the time it was it, it, it's kind of the representation of those movies like Time Cop and Out for Justice and these dorky movies that we would go see just to get away from the Sunday um, in the middle. of well, and, and that's what I remembered from from seeing this, uh, not when it came out, but later in the 90s. I'm like, oh, OK, it's a it's a goof on these action movies. It's yeah. making fun of action movie tropes. Uh, they've got the the lethal weapon poster up on the wall right they're you know uh it's like they're so nostalgic for this but they're basically saying these movies are stupid we know it's stupid here's a stupid movie have fun stupid people yeah because <laughs> it's it's all it's all meaningless um and anybody who tells you that like you can't have this stuff is a fascist and i'm like oh okay cool I, I get it. Uh, it's a dumb movie, but yeah. But there is that it's there is that interesting undertone, right? Like the people who want to think and do things for themselves versus the very re- regimented caste system, right? Like I, right. I think I remember talking to you about that in high school. Like what an interesting, as dumb as action movies are, how come they're the ones that that have to bring these things up? Yeah, you, you know and. Like the whole police thing now is just so interesting, um, especially this week. Uh, yeah, it's just I mean, it's fascinating not... how the, a movie that's this old and now we watch it today and it's you know Brooke like you were texting about you just look at it and you go this is it's how ridiculous that some of these things ended up you know being this way like we have food tablets and you know free thinkers have to live away from prying eyes and it's just so strange anyway so that's that's where this came from and again it's a stupid movie and i figured it it would elicit some pretty strong reactions especially this is a fairly cultured podcast and you know i I kind of ruined it with a big (laughs) yes we're so cultured well i mean like melissa brings barfy and and brooke brings this you know really thoughtful meaningful animated film and oh hey you know wesley snipes looks like dresses like bob hoskins what do we what do we do with this you know rob schneider is a cop (laughs) right (laughs) melissa why don't melissa why don't you tell us what what yeah go for it i can't wait (laughs) no it's it's not that bad i was i was watching it it is it it, It really is though it is that bad (laughs) I've seen worse. I mean, you made me watch oh. The Power of One. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> fair, fair. Um, but the thing is, like, at the beginning, they, it the movie felt like a parody, but was taking itself quite seriously. And y'all promised me that it wouldn't take itself seriously anymore. And that sort of happened, but sort of didn't. It It's... It, it just made me mad for some reason. <laughs> and I wasn't, I don't think I was like in a great frame of mind to be watching it anyway. But 
you know, I, I had time. I wasn't tired yet. You know, I was just off work and I was like, I'll do it now. And it was, but I want to say it was like the wrong time, but I'll be honest. I don't know if there's a right time to really watch this movie. You know, maybe when you're stoned or drunk or something, I don't know, but it, no. (laughs) Yeah. No. Saturday afternoon, you got nothing to do. There's just, the acting is bad. Look, the script is solid. Okay. The premise is solid, but the choices they made, the visual choice, and look, I know it's a product of its time. So, you know, it, it it was limited in what they could do at the time. I get it. But you had like two of the biggest superstars in the world and uh, I don't know. This could have been so much better. You know, maybe that's what I'm mad about is it could have been better, but they went for full camp, which I like camp, but in this case, it was just, I don't know. Yeah. There's something wrong with it. It, it. It's hard for me to put my finger on, but this movie is disappointing because it could have been so much better. But And, and it also could have not been such a fucking sausage fest. My God. Yeah, see, that's yeah. the problem. Could I think that's what they really did wrong. more than one female character who had like a name and that yep. we cared about, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Right. Um, and then of course the people serving rats speak Spanish because of course they do, you know? Yes. Um, yep. I'm Ugh. like, um, okay, well I'm going to choose to look at it as, you know, the Latinos figured out a way to keep eating when nobody else did. I'm just going to take it like that, even though I know because of the time this movie was made that that was not what they were thinking when they wrote it. You know what I'm saying? Because if you, if you traverse Mexican cuisine, I can't speak for other Latino cuisines really, Mm -hmm. but, but like Mexican cuisine, you go deep into it. And I mean, they use everything, even the intestines, you know what I'm saying? They're called tripas and they're disgusting, but you know, if you, and that was, yeah. And and you need to eat, you know, because they use, I mean, you know, nose to tail It because so many people in Mexico are poor. So you get all kinds of interesting things. So it does kind of make sense that if they were going to find a way to make rat taste delicious in a burger, that it would be, the you know, the Latinos who would do it. But but I know that's not what the white people who wrote this movie <laughs> were thinking. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, and that was something that stuck out to me in the fact that. You know, she's not only Latina, but that that hat is Bolivian. Right. And in Bolivian cuisine, they do eat. Um, uh, what are they called? Um, not hamsters, but uh, guinea pigs. Uh, that's like that's that is a that is a thing. And, you know, we might look down on that, but I don't think um, guinea pigs are good for anything else. <laughs> uh i don't know but i mean but but that's but that's the thing it's like they had to code it that way and i i cringed at that like really really hard too that that really bothered me um but yeah well i have a i have a fun story about the lack of female re- representation in this movie did you know there was supposed to be Another female character in this movie, John Spartan, was supposed to be looking for his daughter. Um, and this was 
this was taken out after test screenings uh, because people in the test screenings thought that, well, Sandra Bullock is his daughter and then they have sex and they're like, oh, gross, no. And then it's like, oh, no, she's not his daughter. But, you know, but you're made to think that, you know, through like two thirds of the movie and it like it's it's really cringy. But then I kept wondering the, when they were going to get to the part of bringing his daughter in. Yeah. So oh, yeah, they, so they said now. that when they when they actually filmed it, I guess it what did what did he say? It basically put us put a halt in the in the flow of the movie or something like that because yeah it was just so like you know it was meaningful and but it it just felt out of place which as we're talking about this movie is not made with accuracy and sensitivity to people in mind right or the plot or any people yeah i mean really that's that's and i'm glad we're deconstructing it because it's a hugely problematic movie even though they get a lot of things right about the future, they screw up a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a you know it's another action movie dick flick written by literally five men. There are five different men who helped write this script, and it directed by a man, produced by men, uh, for mostly men. Um, this is a this is a demolition man, emphasis on man. Uh, movie and that's uh yeah uh but, but i mean not like not like time cop was you know feminist but you know anyway. yeah and i think it i mean it speaks to that where you know we we should demand better from our action films right like just because this has a soft spot in my heart doesn't mean you don't watch it and go oh that's that's kind of shitty right like, well, yeah, like this, this, there's a lot of this movie that's shitty that, you know, you watch it and you have fun with it. And then you come back to it and you go, uh, like, you know, it really isn't good how they treat people who aren't of, of this very similar standing, you know, like yeah. those kinds of things. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, that's why I'm glad we're talking about it because um, they could have done a lot with the the plot in how it turned out like 2020 right socio-culturally in some way. yeah well and we're not going to say that they were smart enough to consider it a piece of, oh, of course not. art limit imitating life but unfortunately the backwards programming of it all may have influenced people's actual lives and perpetuating a culture much further than it should have been right right well and i mean i i think i said this uh, last episode when we were talking about this, I mean, I feel like this movie didn't necessarily get a lot of the, per it, although it did get some of the particulars right about the future, but like the overall like vibe and about this like very like fashy um, like high society where people are supposed to be very nice to each other and everything is very coded and very safe and it's very like urbane. Uh, and then, and it's because they have moved all of the rough edges of humanity literally into the sewers. And there's a, you know, a, an oppressed underclass. And I feel like that they got really right. Um, Cause I, I don't know, I see us like 
hurtling towards that, which is one of the things that I find the most funny about this movie is that it has been embraced by like hardcore libertarians as like, see, this is what the statists want. They want to control you and they want to say that you can't eat meat and you can't swear. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's, um, that's like just what, when people are powerful and can like create a hegemonic society, like what they always vacillate towards and what societal norms vacillate towards, not like that that's what the state is going to do and we have to resist the state. It's just that like, if, if you let like, I don't know, Christian hegemony like take over, like this is, this is what you're going to get. And it's not like a left versus right liberal versus conservative thing. It's a, when people get power and are able to like control society, then they end up controlling society and making it very nice for the people who get to live in the nice area um, while oppressing the people who don't get to live in the nice area. Anyway, that's my rant about Demolition Man. I was thinking of Elon Musk the whole time. Totally. Right? Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Like, this is what would happen if he was in charge, basically. Yeah. You know, um, everybody would be driving a fucking Tesla. And, uh, you know, yeah. And, and I, I, oh, I cannot stand that son of a bitch. I really cannot. Um, I'm very glad he's not buying Twitter. I'm, I hope he's broke. I hope the Bitcoin just broke him, you know, <laughs> really. And I don't usually, it would, you know, wish really ill on very many people. There's, there's really only a small handful of people I truly wish ill on. And that, and he is one of them, you know, um, him and Greg Abbott and, you know, a few other Texas politicians, basically. Um, well, it's just so, like yeah. the these are the people who don't need more power in our right. society. Right. I'm not saying Elon Musk can't like be himself and do whatever crazy thing he wants to, but he should not be able to program our society. And he wants to take over Twitter because he believes that like he believes that conservatives are being silenced. <laughs> and that they need more representation and that it's not okay to like um, tell white supremacists and trolls like y'all need to shut the fuck up and go away so that like the rest of us can just enjoy our social media platform where we want to like share jokes and memes about you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi or whatever. You are fined one credit for violation of the verbal morality. <laughs> exactly. That's my new Jeffrey Katzenberger co-founder of Queeby, by the way. I'm just going to say <laughs> But no, you're, you're totally right. And, you know, the more articles that come out about how Elon doesn't really have anything, it's just this platform built on his personality. Yeah. Um, this, this kind of thing gets really interesting, right? Because that's what the Cocteau plan was. It wasn't a plan. It was just reverence to this dude. Yep. Right? Um, which adequately played, right? Not, I mean, you, you couldn't ask for a better Cocteau, but yeah. I mean, how? what an interesting parallel. 
Yeah. And if it's if it's not Cocteau, then it's Musk. And if it's not Musk, then it's Bezos. And if it's not Bezos, there will always be people who want to like create this dystopian society where everything is nice. But it's the question is always nice for who? Right. You know, it's not. Um, you know, it's not. Uh, it, it's it's not nice for everybody, and and that's the. Uh, but but I don't think that that this movie was trying to be that. I think this movie was trying to be the like, well, sometimes you need a man's man to come in here and really fuck shit up, <laughs> and that's the like, uh, where whatever happened to John Wayne and can't we bring him back and uh, can't we just have some guy come in and do explosions and that'll fix everything and that that seems to be more of the premise of the movie which is just goddamn stupid <laughs> i mean really really bob is the hero <laughs> sure yeah i mean because bob's the one who's going to fix it all at the end right but no it, it is it's it, well that, that part is that whole mantra of um send a psycho to take down a psycho right like that whole thing is just silly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think, I mean, my viewing of it this time is that the only person who actually like makes a lot of sense here is, is Lenina is, uh, Sandra Bullock's character that like, okay, well, she's like, Hey, the fascist future does kind of suck. And we, there are things to be like, learned from like breaking out of the mold um but you know there's there's a sort of balance to it and trying to have your foot in both worlds and and like a um a healthy nostalgia for things that you don't really know or understand but still can say like yeah the future is nice but it needs to be rocked a little bit and that i think that's her trajectory as the movie ends um, although, although I could do without the, uh, you know, it, not a princess movie, but we do get a non-consensual kiss here at the, at the end, um, which is, which is not great where if she is so horrified by the idea of fluid exchange earlier in the movie and then, uh, Stallone like kisses her without her consent uh then you get the magical like post hoc consent like oh i really liked it like the message of well if you just do it and then she'll learn that she likes it and then well and, the, and, the glow, and then you glow rotter right right and then and then she does really like it and she kisses him back which is nice but like that's i that the, those were the two things that stuck out to me this time going through that like I did not like I did not like the uh, the rat burger and I did not like the the non-consensual kiss at the end but oh well when she kisses him back it does make it I I would have I would have liked that um, just just do that instead like right. that's good right. um Anyway, do you want to know some other crazy things about how this movie got made? Well, so, yeah. 
This movie went through one of the craziest development hells uh, ever known. Um, this movie, they worked on it for years and years and years and years before it finally got around to uh, Stallone and Snipes. Um, the, the director and producer Joel Silver um, had to beg both of them to please come on board. Uh, before that, uh, the original, the original version of the movie was supposed to have, uh, um, Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme as, uh, Seagal is the good guy, Van Damme is the bad guy. And then, um, when they brought Stallone on board, Stallone pitched that he wanted Jackie Chan, which JB mentioned. Uh, Jackie turned it down saying he didn't want to play a villain in the US. Um, and so they went to they went to Snipes and begged Snipes who said he didn't want to do it. They went to they went to the set of Rising Sun and convinced him that he should do it. And uh, and and so they did. Um, the original uh, the original Sandra Bullock part was played by Lori Petty Ugh. and she actually filmed for a couple of days on set. Um, has anyone else here seen Tank Girl oh, yeah. or any other Lori Petty movie? Yeah, that, that would have been a very strange casting based on some of her other movies. Yeah, so I interesting choice and she said that she and Stallone were like terrible. That they were she said that they were like oil and water. They just did not get on at all. They replaced her after two days of filming and brought in Sandra Bullock. Um, this was like a decently breakthrough role for Sandy. Um, this was like one of her first kind of like big roles. Uh, a year later, she's in Speed. And that is like her big, big breakout role. But this was like a a pre-breakout role. She had done other things before then, but this was but this was a, a pretty big boost. Um, I mentioned this movie had uh, five different male writers. Uh, the original one by Peter Lenkoff um, was just a uh, a straight action movie uh, that he said it was it was just based on the idea of like the frozen cop. Uh, who was uh, thought out to to go after the villain? And that's and, that's the screenplay that got sued, right? By the was it the Hungarian author? Uh, it was Eastern European? I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, um, I want to say Romanian, not right. not Hungarian. Might have been Hungarian though. But the, yeah, um, there there was a, a an Eastern European writer who claimed that that was based on a book that he wrote. That had been published uh, behind the Iron Curtain, and that the idea had been stolen from him. They settled out of court with him uh, uh, for undisclosed amounts of money, um, and he claims to this day that that idea was stolen from him. Uh, Lenkov, this was his first. Uh, this was his first script. He just graduated from college, um, and then as soon as they bought this script. They immediately rewrote it. Um, Daniel Waters, who wrote the movie Heathers, 
uh, completely rewrote it and turned it into a comedy. Um, and basically said that he had the idea of like, what if all of LA had been turned into Universal City Walk? Oh, God. Which, if anyone has ever been to Universal City Walk in LA, it's like the the shopping mall area right next to Universal Studios that's just like restaurants and everything is super nice, but it's super fashy. And yeah, so that was that was his idea. He came up with the seashells idea. Uh, and then there were three other writers who came in and did uh, various polishes and touch up, um, including um, including the, the director uh, who did sort of the final rewrite. And then one other person made major contributions to this script. And that is Dennis Leary, who wrote <laughs> most of his own dialogue and uh, had to have his rants uh, approved by the studio. Um, but he would he would write them out and then they would they would get them approved. So that is pure Dennis Leary in in this movie. Um, so yeah, this was a this was a crazy movie. Um, took him many years to make. Uh, it did okay. Uh, it was considered a success, but it wasn't like a huge, huge movie. It but. was it was one of those that gets more and more of a cult following. I remember it um, being bigger on home movie rental than um, in the theater. Yeah, um, I I can't remember who said it. It was either Leonard Malton or Roger Ebert, but they they mentioned that Demolition Man only made like ten or fifteen million more than Last Action Hero, but Last Action Hero was considered a flop and Demolition Man was considered a success, even though those were very similar movies with, uh, you know, kind of similar premises where they're kind of winking at the idea of action movies with uh, big name stars. And uh, yeah, so uh, Demolition Man emphasis on man um what what else did uh did folks like or hate here what sticks out i i mean just the whole logistics of the future is is pretty entertaining to me right like the the you know here here we are in 93 with no cell phones commodore 64s right and they've got these booths and self-driving cars and um you know all this technology that that responds to everything for you and now here we are with alexa and tesla and you know (laughs) booths at every corner that do things for you and order you food and um i i get a kick out of watching it again and going there's no way they could have known right in 1993 that all this would be there um and then, of course, like Brooke mentioned, there's nothing better than the Schwarzenegger Presidential Library. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's, again, there's there's a lot of problems with it. But see, that's where I think, Melissa, I'm, maybe it's just because I've watched it too much. I really do get the, they, that's why they thought this would be a success, because nobody, like, I, I don't know for a second if I thought it was taking itself seriously, obviously, except for the action scenes, which are big and dumb and 
stupid, right? But I just feel like they were just throwing darts at what's the future going to be like, right? Oh, it's Dennis Leary talking about green jello. Ah, what, how funny. Um, and then they ended up getting a lot of it strangely sort of right on, which again, they failed up by getting lucky, right? Something like that. That's what men always do. Especially five of them, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) It's like an infinite number of monkeys, right? Of course they're going to write all the great works. (laughs) There's just a lot of laziness in the writing of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So many things, like... They've turned this guy into the ultimate killing weapon, and then he just runs away in the scene where he's never ran away from anything before. And he's like, oh no! One thing didn't go my way, so now I'm gonna run away, where before he just blew everything up. Like, that didn't make any sense. And the part at the beginning when they put the demolition man in the in the cryo chamber and they're like, you'll be eligible parole for parole in 46, 2046. But he's eligible for parole before after being the one who actually killed everyone like there's just a lot of holes in this and when i when i watched it the first time i was like it's making me laugh like the dialogue is making me laugh there's a lot that's really clever here but it is like melissa was saying it's so so many things that are just so cringeworthy and unrepresented and poorly poorly done i unlike melissa i didn't feel like it was taking itself seriously but having never experienced it before it was very strange watching it for the first time in 2022 and being like the fuck did they get all this shit Right. right, like, like all of a sudden, all the conspiracy theories I've ever heard are coming back to me, and like this one guy was like, you know, they like Hollywood is owned by the politicians, and they're just using media to get people to accept things by putting it in the media twenty years before it actually happens. That way, they don't question things, and they're already used to it. And that's why all the alien movies came out when they did, because they. And so my brain is watching this movie like, are we really that dumb? Is this whole... We suck. Why does humanity suck so much? And and that's all that I could think. And I wanted Taco Bell. Because we we really are that stupid. And yes. Yeah. And it, it made Idiocracy really a much more frightening film. Mm-hmm. Those are my big thoughts. So made me laugh, but also... Like, I watched it in parts and then went back and watched it all again. And especially the second time watching it, I was like, this is JB, I love you. And also, right now, I hate you. Just a little bit. You motherfucker. I apologize that my other choices (laughs) couldn't be streamed and you were forced to watch this. You know, it's, it's funny you brought up Idiocracy because, like, that movie, I felt like, knew what it was trying to say. And this one just threw a lot of shit at the wall and some of it happened to stick, you know? That's the difference. Yeah. And and I think that's what's the frustrating part about it. There's a lot of shit they didn't have to throw at the wall and they still would have had a good movie, you know? I feel like every movie we watch on this podcast where there's more than two writers ends up like that, right? Like Too many. 
is that a Hollywood broth or something? Yeah, like is yeah. is it just the cacophony of voices just end up ruining? You know, you just desaturate something to the point where it doesn't even work anymore. Yeah, it's well, probably five different visions. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's why you know I I I said you know I want to do this this kind of cheeky thing every episode where we do studio notes because the joke is i think that generally speaking studio notes ruin good art <laughs> like um you know a, a really great script might get like a few suggestions here and there but you know usually it's suits coming in and saying oh let's change this thing and let's change this thing so it'll be more marketable and we got to get rid of this character and we got to tighten this up and you know i it's it's not that you can't make great art under circumstances like that like there's plenty of uh plenty of like near perfect films that were made in studio systems like that with a lot of input from a lot of different people but uh, most of the time uh, you you end up with this where there is no unifying creative vision. It doesn't have anything that it's really trying to say. It's just like explosions. It's fun. Eat Taco Bell. <laughs> you know. Um, so there you go. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I guess that's what it boils down to. It's kind of like, you know, and and I like what you're all you know at the beginning is the film a, a meaningful look at what you know future society could actually be and then by the end after all the suits get through it it's well we got stallone and we've got snipes i guess they should probably punch each other for a while right right and everything else is just glib and silly and um you know and, and again we we pull more meaning from it than probably exists just because you know the movie got lucky and it's um more prophetic now right but you know if this is under siege 2 there there's nothing <laughs> you know there's nothing to to carry it forward right so yeah this this movie does in a lot of ways as much as i like it it does fail up but just by getting lucky by being um getting a few things right you know yeah um, I, I mentioned we've mentioned Taco Bell several times on here. I do want to point out that in the in the original script, the actual winner of the franchise wars was Burger King. Ugh. However, Burger King refused to uh, be in the movie and so did McDonald's. So they instead went to Taco Bell who's like, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be in your movie as the winner of the franchise wars, uh, and um, they also reshot different versions of that scene uh, because internationally it was not Taco Bell, uh, it was Pizza Hut, yeah. uh, which is owned by the same parent company, Yum Brands, uh, who owns Taco Bell. So they uh, uh, they so in Europe. Pizza Hut was the winner of the franchise wars and they were eating Pizza Hut. Um, so fun, fun trivia there about product placement in movies. Um, uh, because again, everything is terrible. 
<laughs> oh, there's, by the way, there's nothing worse than walking into the Yum Brands Megaplex where it's an A&W, a Taco Bell, and a KFC. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that smell is like, and you have to, you kind of walk right in the middle and then branch off into whichever of the three lines you want to go to. And you're like, I don't, I don't want any of this now. Um, that's just three very distinct non-yum smells. And I, I think they also have Long John Silvers too, don't they? Like there are KFC and Long John Silvers here. Yeah, in, I would think so. Cause we have KFC and yeah. A&W here and then we had yeah. all three. Um, but I think yeah. Taco Bell is just too profitable. Um, well now. Yeah. And it's on its own, but. Yeah, Doja Cat brought back the Mexican. There you pizza, go. So we all got it. That's the only thing we're waiting for. <laughs> a demolition man predicted it. Doja Cat would bring back the Mexican pizza. Uh, yeah. What else? Well, I feel like the one-liners were off the hook. <laughs> it's so many bad ones. I gotta give it that. Like, yeah. if you wanted to make a futuristic movie based off of dad jokes, I think this is pretty much it. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Is you guys know my humor? That probably this probably formed why I'm I think. The way yeah, I humor. I was gonna people. say I think this movie is a little more formative than you're giving it credit for. Like, yeah. like, oh, that's that's what people should do. They should, you know make dumb dad jokes this is how jokes should be written oh well i'm just glad you ended up with a house full of women then because <laughs> otherwise you'd be a real asshole my jokes so fly in this house <laughs> <laughs> mostly everyone looks at me and goes yeah you're, you're not related to us so we'll let that one fly <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there are some. I, I think these jokes are so bad. What did we? What did you call them, Brooks? Stepdad jokes. That's how bad they are. They're not even dad jokes. Right. <laughs> these are the foster dad jokes. Yeah, we? legit. <laughs> Maybe you're working in the system too long. <laughs> that pun's so bad. You're not even my real father. You can't talk <laughs> to me that way. I'll be Although in the I shed. I had a friend post something on Facebook the other day, like, this is just so punny. And she put it up, and there's not a single pun in the entire thing. And I was just like, JB would be so disappointed in you. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's listening. Every time Ironic comes on the radio, I'm like, oh, let's listen to a song that's not ironic. Yay. Not ironic. It's like, those things suck and they're coincidental, but yeah. very few of them are ironic. Yeah, they're just bad luck. Yeah. So, yeah. They're terrible. I, I, you know, I want to get to the studio notes because I want to know what Melissa would change about this turd fest. <laughs> well, do we do we want to go ahead and talk what, about the? the well, what other? I mean, Andy, are there other any other themes you pulled from your research? I mean, most of the, you know, most everybody writes about it like this is one of the worst movies you'll ever see. But hey, maybe watch it in a post-COVID context and just like get get a semblance of enjoyment out of it. I really. I think Sandra Bullock absolutely kills this movie. Like she is She's so great. good in this. Yeah. Um, I mean the the lines that she gets wrong like we were laughing about Brooke like we still say take this job and shovel it everywhere we go or or take whatever and shovel it. 
yeah um, just her delivery and how she does it i mean she's given a relatively um minor role for what she probably should have like i mean the glow glow in her still makes me mad because she she probably would have made it a lot easier for him at the end um like stuff like that just bothers me but she does such a great job yeah uh, the I think most people in this movie are really perfectly used. Um, she is obviously used to maximum effort. The one person who I think got misused a little bit is Benjamin Bratt. Yes. Who I don't know what is wrong with his costume, but they made his neck look so like abnormally long in a way that he does not look like in like anything else like i've never never once watching law and order or traffic or like miscongeniality or a hundred other things he's done have i ever thought like man he's kind of weird looking i'm always like benjamin brad he's so handsome <laughs> and, uh yeah i don't Tatum, cover your ears Oh, poor Channing. Taking, he's going down the ladder. Uh oh. It's okay. Maybe it's Channing the knows. Maybe Channing it's the knows how it was. It was Maybe the hot dogs, Andy. The entire costumes though were offensive. They looked like Nazis. They did. They reminded me of Nazis. I was like, what the fuck? Well, they. You I know think... that was on accident because this movie's not smart enough to have used that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? As some kind of commentary or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a question because I, I mean, I always took it as like, oh yeah, they know. Like the future is like, kind of like fashy, but they're like, you think oh. they're not smart enough to actually. I think you're giving that. this movie too much credit. Okay. Well, maybe I am. <laughs> I always took it like they know that they're assholes. They're just, you know, Do they're they? trying to, yeah. They're trying to say that the future. I mean, but isn't isn't that like the stereotypical, like futuristic police force motif? Like, I feel like Star Trek did it right, even in the '60s. Like, they all have the same very, like you said, very fashy outfits and da 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 da. So, so maybe they got lucky by just carrying a trope over, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they the costumes do look cool. But I always thought that they, like, really maximized their effort of like, oh yeah, we're we're trying to make these these cops look like, you know, corporate fascists. So uh, the and, and I sent I sent Melissa the the gif in in the chat while we were watching this of the, um, are we the baddies? Because <laughs> like it's like. It's like um, you guys can't tell that you're like wearing the the bad costumes here. Um, because like, I, meanwhile, Wesley Snipes' costume like looked kind of cool. Okay, maybe a little, but yeah, um, uh, the, yeah, but the costume design this is crazy. Okay. Um, do we want to get into studio notes? Because if so, I'll, I'll run through the box. Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead. I mean, I think okay. I think most of what we've been talking about is studio notes. Cause yeah, it's not like I think I, I... <laughs> go around <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. So this movie made fifty eight million. 
in the U.S. domestic box office, which, adjusted for inflation, is one hundred and twenty-eight point eight million. So, I mean, that's a that's a modest hit, but that's not a huge amount. It did, however, make an additional one hundred and one million overseas. So it actually did uh, very well internationally, even better. Um, so this was by no means like any sort of a flop, but it was, uh, it was just kind of straight up the middle, not anything. It was, it was kind of like the first movie that I think Andy, well, I mean, the one I remember of a summer movie that was really advertisement driven, right? Like it was all advertised in Taco Bells and on MTV with Dan Cortez, right? I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember like, like the Taco Bell being like a big part of it and that they had freaking Rob Schneider yeah. out there saying like in the future, all restaurants are Taco Bell. And I'm like, you're not making me want to see this movie, bro. Like, yeah. But I remember is- it was on, it was like an MTV movie because they had the, you know, Sting re-released Demolition Man and Dan Cortez was the piano player. Mm-hmm. So he talked about it every time he was on. So part of me wonders if they got away with a lot of free ads you know because there was the demolition man box all summer and um, yeah all that kind of thing anyway when you brought the box office i went i wonder if they got a they skated with some marketing dollars from yeah well this movie came out in october so it wasn't even really like a it wasn't even really a summer movie but it wasn't i mean it wasn't a like prime november uh, December movie either. They didn't bury it in, you know, like August or September. Um, but they just sort of put it out to pasture in October and they're like, I guess it'll do okay there. And it did. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of a, a weird, a weird thing to put out there. Um, but there you go. Demolition man. Let's hear those studio notes. Let's go for it. Who wants to go first? I mean, I I pretty much said it all. The biggest one was that there needed to be more women. Mm-hmm. You know, women with a name. We actually give a little shit about, you know, um, they don't have to be like, you know, Sandra Bullock level uh, of character, but Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. something. And, um, that, I mean, that's pretty typical of the era, I think. So I, it's not like I would have huge expectations, but if you're going to remake this movie, you've got to do that. The costumes are ridiculous. Um, I, some of the choices, especially as I've said, Wesley Snipes, you know, at the beginning, at least not okay. Um, also, I have to wonder, like you said that they had wanted Jackie Chan to be the villain. Mm-hmm. So a man of color. And when they didn't get him, they went to another man of color. And yeah. here's the white people coming, you know, Stallone and Bullock, you know, just yep. coming to save the day. And I question how wise it is. Now, look, I'm not saying you can't have villains of color. Of course you can. Right. But that's all there was. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it, it's just very frustrating because it, this is kind of a white savior shit, you know? It, mm-hmm. 
can well, how, we get away from that? You know? How much more interesting would this movie have been if Stallone had been the bad guy and Snipes had been the good guy? Yeah. Like, I actually think that makes a more interesting movie. It would. Uh, or, or Schwarzenegger as the bad guy. Or, you know, one of these other big, big guys. And you sort of weaponize their celebrity. And you're like, um, yeah. I think or make, them, make them both bad guys and Sandra Bullock shoots them both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I and think then there's he's on them for fluid transfer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, I think there are a numerous other characters that would have been great um, as uh, as women in here. I agree with you. I think the the head of the police force um, would have could have definitely been a woman. And I'm specifically thinking of uh the part Glenn Close plays in um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy as being kind of a, a good version of what that character could have been and make her less inept and more uh, just sort of in charge. I think that would have been good. I think the Dennis Leary character could have been a woman and that might that might oh, have that been, been amazing been really interesting yeah because then it could be about like kind of a patriarchal conformist society versus like a matriarchal society that's taking care of the people that have been cast off of society interesting oh uh, you know who would have been great in that is angela bassett oh my gosh she would have been amazing that would have been great part, right yeah because she was wasn't she coming up she was getting it's about the right time yeah 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 Yeah. that could have worked i like that but yeah i think that's i think that's the biggest problem and i mean we we talked about if they were to make a a sequel um i mean God bless them if they can get Meryl Streep in the movie. Um, that's <laughs> great. But I mean, I think, I think that's what you do is you make Demolition Woman, and you, uh, um, you you have some, you know, you have at least like an intersectional feminist lens on this, where you're at least thinking about these things and how they look. Uh, and you don't not, get Meryl Streep for that. You don't necessarily get Meryl Streep for that. Also, if they were to get Meryl Streep for this, I mean, you better get right with your maker. Yeah, I mean, I don't. <laughs> it was. Well, I think the, the premise was at the time she uh, um, she was looking for an acting, like an action movie cred. So Demolition mm-hmm. Man Two was kind of going to be that. Um, and to your point, Angela Bassett was playing Tina Turner in '93, so that would have yeah. been probably there. You a perfect go. Time. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect timing. So yeah, I I agree, Melissa. I think those are the biggest, most important changes you could have made here. Yeah. Yeah. Any any other notes from you? I would like, you know, I'm not saying all movies have to have like hidden or even not so hidden social commentary, but it's like I was waiting for that here because they did get some shit right that was kind of prescient you know Mm -hmm. but 
by the end, it was like I said earlier, shit just stuck to the wall. You know, they threw everything at it and some of it stuck. Um, they got lucky. I don't think this was pre-thought out. And the thing is, the things they got lucky on, there could have been some really spectacular social commentary. Yet another, like, failure of this movie. You know, a, a potential that just was never reached, which is further proof that white men made this. Um, mm -hmm. It's just like, it could have been so much better and there could have been that sly social commentary and there's just not um yeah i think the script is pretty smart but is it smart because they made it that way or it just happens you know with five writers i don't think that it was all on purpose and um i would have liked to have seen less writers and more focus and i then i think it could have been the movie it had the potential to be you know um this movie it's like hamlet you know he he kept talking a big game and in the end he ended up dead because he never acted on it you know he he just he's like my my thoughts be bloody and then he fucking died <laughs> he, he didn't shed any of the blood he kept talking about and this movie could have been you know, really great. It could have been King like Hamlet was supposed to, you know, instead it's like, you know, I could have been a contender, you know? Well, yeah. Cause like, cause what is, what does, uh, Snipes, character really do? He robs a bunch of guns from a museum. He gives them to the underground insurgency people and then everybody dies and then, and that's it. And it's not like he actually does like a whole lot. Yeah. It's like, ooh, I'll show them. <laughs> it's like, okay. I I guess. Yeah. They didn't even have like a MacGuffin. I mean, I don't really know, understand what his purpose of being like the bad guy was. Exactly. It was symbolism. He was mad. Oh. No, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, symbolism requires thought. Yeah. You know, it, it requires you to know what the fuck you're doing, and I don't think these writers knew, so I don't think it was symbolism. No, no, that's that's from the the Simpsons episode where Homer rewrites Mel Gibson's uh, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and, it's like, and they're like, Homer, why did Mel Gibson impale the president of the Senate with the American flag? And he's like... It was symbolism. He was mad. It's like, it's what every uh, mediocre white male uh, thinks is like, oh, that's smart. It's like, oh, well, it was symbolic. No, you just thought it was cool. And um, yeah, there's actually nothing to it. So no, it's it sucks. Um. Anyway, other other studio notes. Um, I will I will say again. Uh, change out the um. If if you're going to have him eat a rat burger, just don't have it be a Latina who's serving it to him. I, I that's that's cringy. I hate it. And uh, at the end, don't have Spartan kiss uh sandra bullock 
have her kiss him. Like that's that's fun. Turn that. Yeah, around. just I was just running the movie through my head, right? Like, I think to Melissa's point, if you if you fix some of the casting, then the script probably a lot of that gets fixed by you know doing that part right. Mm-hmm. Um, because because the you know how you how you structure and how you frame it becomes different. So I think you know all my studio notes if if they're based on doing a better job with the casting and how the characters come across then a lot of the studio notes get fixed because just by nature they have to um you know because it's not a a five person set of white guys writing it right like you you have to add it you have you have to represent throughout and i think that would fix a lot of it um yeah I, I mean again you you would upgrade it with better special effects um there, there's a lot of the like dumb stuff where well, you burnt down a 11 million dollar mall to rescue a little girl you know, what how does that make you feel and the little girl's like f you lady and punt you know that that kind of st- like there's those I did love that I yeah, love that like, I mean there's there's those nuances that you could probably do better right or mm-hmm. or, or make them more central to, to something I, I mean no one's gonna believe Wesley Snipes at the beginning of this movie it's ridiculous right so like you'd have to change the whole premise to like brooke said of why you would arrest sylvester stallone and like all that kind of stuff so yeah i i I think melissa and brooke both made the point it's there's a lot of laziness and continuity errors um that i think you could fix um throughout And, and i think you lean into some of the stuff that that makes it what the movie is right like the no touching thing and the um some of those factors that I think you, you, you could focus more on that instead of just using them as a gag. Um, anyway, but yeah, I think, I think the casting probably fixes a lot of the studio notes I would have that we already talked about. I think they should also pick a lane. Yeah. Like, are they going for a fill? Like, even if you're not making idiocracy, are you going for a feel that's like that? Are you going for like, an actual action like what are you doing with this movie and then like you just said jb don't be lazy about it like put enough into the writing to where you take those inconsistencies out and i mean the dialogue was good they they had so many good things that could have come out with this movie of burying our heads in the sand and trying to force a society and like especially now post-covid like they're not touching and exchange of fluids and germs and all of these things like pick a lane and go with it like you can be just as funny you can do this in a way that's going to accomplish whatever you want it to but pick a lane fix the casting and and stop being lazy we don't I, need a dick flick to carry itself. Like it, make it a good movie. Yeah, and personally, I would love that Zoom meeting chair, where your chair rotates with you, in the fake <laughs> conference meeting. Like, like you said, some of that stuff is, it's too good. It's too good to be wasted. Like you could do a lot more with some of that. And, um, and and Brooke, I think you're right. I think like Andy said, you they wrote it as a serious action movie. Then they wrote it as a comedy, and I think the lines got a little sloppy between the two. Yeah. It's like, is this, is this, uh, 
is this an action comedy? Is it social commentary? Like what? Like it 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 isn't exactly any of those, and so it's this weird hybrid that kind of works. But I mean, it's but I mean that's the difference between a movie like this that kind of works and it's kind of fun to watch and got a couple things right versus like oh wow that that movie actually like hit pretty hard and yeah. is a, and is a is a classic on untrained 1990s this movie is is a lot more entertaining like you said nowadays i don't i don't think it flies no i mean i think if this i think if this movie came out today people would just be like what is this garbage well, I mean, this movie still keeps coming out, right? Like, what's every Expendables movie? It's, it's. I guess, I yeah. guess that's true. Although, I mean, although we haven't had an Expendables movie in like five, six years now. Well, that's just because they couldn't film them from COVID. But I think four is filming now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So well, they're, they're I mean, again, doing... it's that problem of um, these movies continue to happen. It's just, I don't know. Do we demand less and less of them or something? Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I guess, I guess instead we're we're getting more Fast and Furious movies or whatever. So, yeah. Um, my my final studio note is: I think if they set this further in the future, I think it would be a little more plausible. It just seems very silly that like, oh, this is supposed to be what the future is like in ten years that yeah no um that just that just now seems really weird um any any other studio notes from y'all okay our favorite one-liners and quotes there's probably a lot of these what do people like I'm trying to pull up my notes. I'm sorry because there were so many; my brain could not hold them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're the gosh. How do you pick one? Um, the the like when he yells at the moral moral statute machine. Mm-hmm. That one's hilarious. What's the? I must have done something great in my previous life. Can't think of what that would have been. Um, someone put me back in the fridge. It's a classic. <laughs> Um, it seems to be your boggle. Um, all the Simon Says jokes. Um, I don't know, Brooke, which one do you got? I'm trying to get back to them. One moment. Uh, I did like the one that somewhere in the middle you'll figure it all out. Oh, it's not a funny line, but that was one of the few lines of the movie that I was like, oh, they almost did something with this. That's nice. Interesting. What's the one you sent, Brooke? We're, we're police. We're not trained to deal with this. Kind of brutality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we're police officers. We're not trained to handle this kind of violence. Uh, oof, wow. that hits hard this week. Yeah. Matched oof. his meat and licked his ass. Licked his ass. I think um, the one my mom laughed the hardest at was Maniac has responded with a scornful remark <laughs> 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 when they're trying to, to talk 
Wesley sniped out of the booth. Yeah. What, you guys don't have sarcasm anymore? <laughs> Add the words or else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. That's um, pretty good. I like that. Wonder if I can play the accordion too. That's a classic. Um, it's rude. <laughs> um what's the other one? What's the one my buddy always says to me? Oh yeah, you're gonna regret this the rest of your life. Both seconds of it. Ooh. Let's see. What, uh, there's just yeah. There's a lot of them. When she says they're gonna leave and blow this guy, <laughs> he, just, he just stares at her. Away. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite. The blow this guy one. <laughs> I like that. Um. I didn't write anything specific, but I basically liked all the lines about fluid transfer and seashells. It's good. That's about it. Um, and I will I will give points to uh, Dennis Leary's um, incredibly long rant about uh, you know green Jello and Playboy and all of the other bad things that. Uh, that you love from the future. Yeah, that that was that was a great little monologue that he had. That just everyone just kind of stops and goes, "What in the heck is happening?" It's like we now break. Uh, you can go to the concession stand while uh, Dennis Leary gives you a a big long rant about uh, smoking cigars and eating a whole back of uh, rack of barbecued ribs. Oh, I did like so. that. I'm a seamstress. <laughs> I don't know why that one made me laugh too. That's good. Uh, any anything else? I think we probably just quoted seventy percent of the movie. So, yeah. All right. Um, best side character. Oh, Bob. You're... Bob. Yeah. I mean, you're assuming the main characters are Snipes, Stallone, and, and Sandra Bullock? Yeah, question. Is Sandra Bullock a main character or is she a side character? If if she's a side character, uh, she's my favorite side character. But... I mean, I feel like it's giving them a lot of credit to think that she was a main character. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. should have been. I mean, I think Dennis Leary is a great side character. Mm -hmm. Bob is awesome. I really hope they don't think Sandra Bullock's a side character, but she would be the best if that's what they considered. Yeah. I can't remember if she's on the poster. I thought she was on the poster. She's not. It's just it's just Stallone. Snipes. It's like the... Well, because, I mean, nobody knew who Sandra Bullock was in 1992, 1993. You know, after this movie and after Speed, they did, and then it's like, oh, Sandra Bullock, and then you know, and she, and then she's on the poster for uh, While You Were Sleeping, and uh, you know, and her career is taking off. So, um, I was thinking of the original, yeah, the 21st century's most dangerous cop, 21st century's most ruthless criminal. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Any any other best side character? 
I mean, it's pretty cool that they got Nigel Hawthorne to do this film. Because, like, you know he had to read the script and be like, seriously? Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty true. But, so. I mean, do we want to name any of the side characters that actually thought? I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you want to? The, I can't even remember his name. I suck. The leader of the thought thinkers that he was trying, supposed to go kill. Edgar Friendly? Yes, Edgar no? Friendly. Yeah, yeah. It's a Dennis Leary, yeah. I think maybe the the way that they named the characters was probably one of the best side characters. Because each of their names was so freaking on the nose. It was right in your face. Yeah. And John Spartan. I don't know if they were doing it to be funny. <laughs> I don't oh. think they were, I don't think I can give them that much credit, but it entertained me. Oh yeah. I mean, this is like this is like name like a bad sci-fi futuristic movie character right, like a third grader was writing a script and was like right friendly because he's the good guy the good guy yeah. <laughs> and huxley because this is kind of like brave new world and we're so awesome I'm like no shut up you're not wow, that took a harsh turn yeah <laughs> I, I i i'm i apologize to Whichever one of the five writers of this movie chose uh, her name to be Lenina Huxley and thought that they could pull that off. But anyway. Okay, best song. Oh, I mean. Armor Hot Dogs, right? Come on. Yeah, like you got to go with one of the the commercials. So. No, that's. I, actually, I, I do have a uh, one that I I think is actually a really great song and definitely great for setting the mood. Okay. Love, exciting and new. <laughs> Come aboard. We're expecting you. Uh, the love boat theme. I think that's hilarious. Oh, the love boat. I don't, the love boat. So I don't know if you remember this, but so Sting obviously redid Demolition Man. Yeah. He actually released an EP of Demolition Man, which then proceeded to have like just five live Sting songs after it. Yes. It not the Demolition Man. But I don't know if you remember the cover of the EP where it's the movie poster, but it's like him in his Dune outfit, like super creepily yes looking behind them i'm like that sting from dune what is he doing i will kill him (laughs) anyway yeah no i i do remember that and and he did a music video where he was all dressed up like he was uh what's his name harkonnen from from dune and like uh with you know with stuff from the movie in the background yeah more free advertising from MTV. Yeah, and um, I remember it got a one out of five on All Music, which made me laugh. It's not. It's it's not that great of a song. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I, I think they were just like, "Why would you even bother doing this if you're just going to re-release five, you know, tacky Sting and Police songs with it?" Well, it's like, what? Do five good 
sting songs please like I, and I guess that's maybe that's a studio note. What? Why are you like, oh, Demolition Man? Well, obviously because someone like got Sting's permission. We like, excellent. We got the rights to Demolition Man. So now we can name the movie Demolition Man. It's like, why? That's like, that's like a C-list police Sting song. Yeah. That is like. If I'm putting together my favorite songs of theirs, like I'm not putting Demolition Man on there. Like yeah, I don't know. You, you have to get the complete recordings to even get a version of Demolition Man on Police. So yeah, it's like well, I don't know. Like I mean, I guess you can't name the movie Synchronicity too, but like you know, like that's if you're gonna do a Police song, like let's do something. Let's do something good. Um, well, Canary mean, in a coal mine. It was the year <laughs> of... Uh, didn't Ten Summoners Tales come out in like 92? So Sting was... Sting was big right now, big. yeah. Yeah. This was this was the era of Fields of Gold. Yep. Yeah, he was big. And then like... Going back to the well. Demolition Man. <laughs> what? What is this? And then he killed all those people and only murders in the building. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Jeez, no, I'm just kidding. Hey, yes. That's uh, four weeks. Oh yeah, coming, coming up soon. More, yeah. Okay, um, Melissa, did you have an opinion on best song? No. Okay. <laughs> Brooke, did you have an opinion on best song? The ending credits. The ending credits. <laughs> yeah, who did? Who was that who did there was someone else who did a version of uh Demolition Man over the closing credits? Who was that? Was it JB's mom? Yeah, it was probably my mom. <laughs> that that would be cool. She I'd played the that. uh what is that, the, the harpsichord version. Sure. Okay. Hardest question of the podcast. Is this a good movie? No. Is it an enjoyable movie? Yes. No. Is it is it a good <laughs> is it a good movie? No. Of course, none of the movies, none of the summer movies from this time period are quote unquote good movies. Yeah, I I I I so want this to be a good movie, and it's just not. It's it 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 just isn't. Okay, I'm sorry, JB, you like garbage. It's true. <laughs> Hot garbage, no less. This is very hot garbage. This is the epitome of hot garbage. Yeah. I mean, this just goes to show you how far you had to escape from Provo. Indeed. Um, okay. And is the main character, by which I will say is John Spartan here, a good person? Um... I'm gonna come out and say no. I mean, I guess the thing is, does it matter? Yeah, I mean, is are you? Uh, if you're talking morally, probably not. If you're talking legally, I guess he follows the rules, right? I mean, he's a good seamstress. He is. That was a very nice sweater. But he and he did spend the whole time thinking about his wife and daughter. Kinda. Yeah. And killing. And killing. 
I mean, it's like, oh, well, he follows the rules, but he really doesn't. It's like, he that's the whole thing. He's not bound by the rules once he's... And he wasn't really bound by the rules in the 90s either. He was like, I'm going to save this child even though she's got a low bounty. I'm going to blow up a $7 million mini mall for a child with only a $25,000 reward. So... Yeah, probably I mean, did not. Did he know he was going to blow up the mall, though, Andy? Like, that's a categorical leap. Well, that's true. But, but you know, I- yeah. intention versus impact. Yeah. You don't have to intend to blow up the mall to still be at least somewhat culpable for the damage that you caused and the impact. Think, think about all of the people who won't be able to go to the Spencer's Gifts and the Hot Topic now because John Spartan blew up that mall. That's really oh, true. No. The, I mean, the where, people, will I get my, where will we get our pink handcuffs? Where will they get their Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise? Nowhere where in the future because that shit won't be allowed. Yeah, Taco yeah. Bell won't carry that. Oh, we that's true. Give up. That's true. Okay, and finally, should we show this to children? Mm. No. We shouldn't show what? it to anyone ever. Why? Why not? I mean, children need to know all about our past as it defines our future. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's something like Siskel and Ebert would have said. Like this is this is good to show, so you know we remember our futures. Children, we're gonna learn about the '90s today and what the '90s <laughs> thought the 2030s would be like. And since we're in the 2020s, that doesn't really matter at all. But anyway, today we're gonna, today we're gonna learn about foster dad jokes. Anyway, here's demolition What's with man. Today, today. <laughs> hey, okay. Dad's got those seashells too. Yes, the seashells. Always the seashells. Um, and of course, we all know that how the seashells actually work is you use one for your. <laughs> I'm not gonna explain. I'm not. Gonna I was all excited, seashells. like you had read the script or something. Like motherfucker. Andy's gonna tell us <laughs> about the seashells. That that's if you want to learn about the seashells, you have to you have to join the Patreon for yeah, the the, the after old, dark episodes. This is the after hours version. That's a multiverse show. I don't want to join. <laughs> yeah, uh, you 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 go to the Harmons. And you buy the pineapple and no, turn it upside, upside down. down. Seashells, you're doing this wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, shoot. Okay, so we're all done with Demolition Man, uh, and we are back to Disney princesses. Woo-hoo! Uh, we're going to talk about Princess Tiana and the Princess and the Frog. So you guys are welcome for the palate cleanse. <laughs> Between princesses. I'm sure this is... You can't wait Gosh. to get back to princesses now. Thanks, mister, for telling me what I needed. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I, since when is a shit sandwich a palate cleanser? I will tell you, I have not been more excited now to watch The Princess and the Frog <laughs> than at any time. Like, this I'm really so makes glad me want I'm so glad I could support you, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about Tiana and, and Princess and the Frog. <laughs> This, yeah so so thanks jb thanks yeah. for thanks and and very happy belated birthday uh Thank we're you. only we're only 
four and a half months too late. I, I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like I deserved exactly what we got for this movie. So it was a pretty good birthday present for me. <laughs> it's I right enjoyed, on brand for you. I enjoyed this more than I should have. Like, this is like the most drawn out Rick roll ever. You <laughs> got us all. <laughs> Uh, foster dad jokes (laughs) love it if I could get a present like that every year (laughs) well keep thinking and in in February when we come back around to this just as long as Brooke tells me I like hot garbage in 2023 (laughs) I'm pretty sure by then you can find another piece of trash I got a whole stack or I mean by then we can you know or we can just all plan really early and we can (laughs) we can all like buy a dvd for like 40 dollars of bella polk and like be ready to watch that and i ought to just send it Uh, oh i swear to god jb if next year rolls around and you say demolition man i quit the podcast (laughs) can you imagine if i made you watch it again maybe it got better You guys, it got even more prescient now. You don't understand. Just like white men everywhere. It's not going to change. Okay. I promise. Uh, I promise no action films uh, for my birthday next year. Nothing, nothing that even remotely has a whiff of Van Damme or Seagal or anything like that. Well, you know, JB, before the year is out, we, we still have to get to your, uh, your other franchise suggestion, which is the Vengeance trilogy. So, oh, uh, which is, I mean, that's going to get, um, that's going to get interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but at least that is like elevated action. So, yeah, kind you know. of a twisted form of, but well done. But well like, done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, we'll and really it, have a struggle answering the last three questions of our standard, you know, <laughs> is the main character a good character? Um, you know, would you, and would you show this to children? I, I'm gonna state categorically that no, you should not show old boy to children. No, that's okay. <laughs> or to ninety percent of adults, I think. Yeah. Um, um. So so just just a programming note. Um. Uh. From from now through August, we've got uh, Princess and the Frog, Enchanted, Tangled, Brave. Frozen, Moana, Frozen Two, Encanto, and Turning Red. Sweet. Uh, that's the that's where the Disney Princess Train is going. Um, and uh, if if you want to talk to us about uh, any of these movies, uh, I, I guess meet Brooke in the Harmons in uh, <laughs> Upside Down Pineapple and. I'll have an upside down pineapple cake. Okay. You can find me that way. And uh, no, but reach out to any of us and, and we'd love to have guests, especially if uh, any of these. Upside down pineapple cake? <laughs> what does that signify? I don't even know how that would sit in the cart. It's getting creamy. I don't know, but I. I'm, I'm down for floor. it. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever kink that's supposed to signify. Follow, that... her, to the, follow her to the kiwis. The cake is dripping. 
Awesome. Uh, but yeah, anyway, if no, if any of those Disney movies for children sound <laughs> appealing to you, and you want to talk to us about them, reach out to one of us and, and we'll let you know how you can join us on the podcast. We always want people, especially uh, if these movies were important or formative to you, uh, and or you have some connection to uh, what they're trying to say. Uh, but that's it. And uh, thanks, everybody, for being here. And... Uh, uh, See you all in, Saturday morning at the Harmons. Uh, in, enhance your, enhance your chill. Calm. Enhance your calm. That's what yeah. it is. Enhance your calm, everybody. I apologize that this movie was everyone's boggle. <laughs> Let's go blow this guy away. <laughs> Big fluid transfer, everybody. Mwah. I can't move this cake. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Jen.